So guys, I got this question from Joshua. Hey Matt, what's up? I love when people do that, that's so funny. Hey, what's the deal with the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant? Is it true if I found the Ark that no one could defeat me? You're right. Is it true if I drink from the Holy Grail that I will live forever? Great question. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for the question. Also, thanks for all the thumbs up. And when you post, I appreciate it. If you're not subscribed to my channel, would you go ahead and subscribe and hit that button? Every time I put something out, you have the option of watching it or not watching it. Thanks to my Patreon partners for supporting me. We're going to find our answer and a little bit of background to the questions in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Starts like this, and again, David gathered together all of the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, meaning the warriors, the mercenaries, part of his army. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bele to Judah to bring up from them hence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubs. God's presence was resting upon the ark of God. His presence were resting upon the cherubs. Let's go back in time. Jesus dies on the cross, but three days later, Jesus arose from the cross. One of the first things that Jesus did was he went to the Father and he presented his blood before the throne of God. Between the cherubs, there is a plate called the mercy seat. He placed his blood there between these golden cherubs on the ark of God, and God accepted his sacrifice once and for all. Let's pick back up in verse 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abimadad that was in Gilead, and Uzziah drove the cart. Verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. And when they claimed to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzziah put forth his hand to touch the ark of God to hold it, for the oxen shook it. So what's taking place is this. There's a great celebration. David is leading the festivities. David has his mightiest men dressed up and basically their uniforms. He has people singing. He has people dancing. It's a festival. It's, it's, it's one of those things that's a once-in-a-lifetime event. And they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which again represents the presence of God. What's in the Ark? Good question. We'll get to that in a second. And as they're bringing the cart and they're celebrating and they're dancing and they're doing all of these wonderful things... One of the people who was in charge of bringing the ark, his name was Uzziah. And Uzziah sees that the, the, the cart is starting to tilt because the oxen have gotten their foot in a rut. And so as the oxen is shaking, the cart starts to tip. The Ark of the Covenant is about to smash all over the ground. Question, what would you do? 
I would have done the exact thing Uzziah did. I would have reached my hand out there and touch it because this is a beautiful piece. It's all overlaid in gold. It has these angelic angels with their wings forward touching each other. I mean, God's spirit came upon men to make the Ark of the Covenant in such a way. What's in the Ark? Uh, how about the finger of God touching the tablets that Moses was holding? Okay, what about Aaron's rod? What about some of that manna? I mean, yeah, so there's important things that represent different things inside the ark. And Uzziah understands it. He understands the weight of the situation. If you saw something falling like this and it was just, and you understood everything about it, you would reach your hand out and touch it. But immediately, God strikes him dead. And David is just like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, David, it says in the word of God, was fearful from that day forward. He was scared of God. And I tell you what, there's just something about having a holy reverential fear of God that keeps you from sinning against your God. People that don't fear God oftentimes will incorporate sins within their lives that they will do every day and they'll feel justified and they don't understand that they're under the long suffering of God and they don't understand that God's patience only lasts so long and then when God acts, they can't handle it. They didn't understand what? He is high and lifted up. He is majestic. He is holy. You and I would do good to memorize, not just read, but memorize all of chapter six of Isaiah where Isaiah is in the throne room and he is a man of God and yet in the presence of God himself, he says, I am undone. I am nothing, I'm darkness, okay? Because now in the light of who God is, he's seeing himself in a different light. Verse eight says this, and David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzziah and he killed him. The next verse says, David was downright scared. Where's the problem here? God's ways, laws, and means always comes first. First of all, there was a way to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You guys understand that. There were slots along the side of the Ark, basically D-rings for poles. And you would have four priests Two in the front, two in the back, and they would carry this. And the poles were so long that you would never ever get near, even if you fell, you would not get near enough to touch the ark. That was the way that God instructed it to be carried. But because they were coming from such a far place, they decided, kind of like you and I, let's help God out. Let We're gonna do something novel. We're not gonna just get an old cart. Let's make a new cart that nothing has ever been on. And let's put the ark on top of that. And they did, okay? But that wasn't God's instruction. See, God's laws and what God tells us, they oftentimes don't make any sense. And you and I, 
Okay, let's be fair. You and I, in our wisdom, we think, hey, let's help God out. Obviously, he doesn't understand. No, he does understand. And the reason he's asking you to do such things isn't just because he's smarter. It's because he has the rule and right to. He is God and you are not. Anything he requests should be yes and amen immediately. If it's not immediate obedience, it's disobedience. David and the priest broke the rules. And you're like, well, wh again, what is the big deal about Uzziah just pushing the cart back? Because, you know, it was going to fall. I mean, really, it was just going to fall, Matt, into the mud and the dirt. I mean, that's, 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 the, that's holy, okay? You can't have that which is holy in the mud and the dirt. And why not? Let me ask you this. What is unholy? Man or dirt? It's a, it's, a, it's a simple question. What is unholy? See, dirt and mud have never rebelled against God. Dirt and mud were created by God along with dust and rocks and everything else on this planet. And dirt and mud and dust have never raised their arm up to God in defiance like man has. Dirt isn't unholy. It's just dirt. It's just mud. It washes off. But man, he has a soul and he has a spirit and he is unholy. The Bible tells us, be holy for I am holy. And yet you and I, when we think about that, holiness being the absence of sin, the cutting away of, it's like there ain't no way. In and of yourself, you're right. There is no way. In Christ, I can do all things. I can strive towards holiness, but only on the next side of this life and eternity will I obtain holiness when I'm in heaven but I'm going somewhere something unholy is touching the ark it would have been better for the ark to fall on the ground for them to find the poles for them to slide the poles in because how did they get the ark on the cart they use the poles so they have the poles they never would have touched the ark because they understood the premise see they broke the rules and they did it because they did not understand God. One of the things that we have to understand that God does certain things certain ways. And so when we're talking about the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant, you know, Indiana Jones has a couple movies out on those and they're very entertaining to watch. And oftentimes I will run into Christians that watch those movies or have watched those movies years ago and they take what they see on the big screen as fact. Uh, I mean, that's how it is, Matt. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, it may be a different place, but that's how it is. And you might be saying this, Matt, is it true that there's knights that have hidden the ark? I mean, like seven brothers and you know, one generation after another generation, they've been protecting the ark because of the power of the ark, the power of the ark or the power of God? So, uh, that's an interesting question. Thank you. God took the ark and he hid the ark. Why? Because men will look at objects and tend to want to worship the object versus God Almighty. Do you understand? In the Bible, Israel was sinning. They hadn't entered the promised land yet. They were doing all this stupid stuff. And so you know what God did? God sent snakes. 
and these serpents were biting all the people and a lot of the people were dying. They were literally dying. And Moses, okay, being the in-between, cries out to God and saying, Lord, you're gonna kill everyone with these snakes. These serpents are killing everyone. And God says, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to put a serpent, wrap them around a pole, make them, okay, and have that high and lifted up as everyone is walking. Now, everyone that looks on that snake on that serpent, lift it up, okay? They're gonna live. And so it was kind of a, a trust issue. You were still gonna suffer the consequences of your sin. And so you could get bit by a snake, but God is saying, if you would just look over there at the serpent on the pole, lift it up. It's a great story and you gotta read it. I can't go into its entirety because it doesn't sound very biblical. You would be saved. There would be some people, again, that didn't obey God's word through the man of God. So they ignored it and they said, well, I got bit by a snake, but I'm just gonna tough it out. And they died. There would be others that would look upon the snake on the pole, okay, and they would live. Years later, that snake on the pole, everyone wanted to worship it. And they were, they had it in town and everyone was just like, they were worshiping the snake on the pole. Moses and Joshua, they're long gone and dead. And so this king comes along, he says, hey, he destroys the snake on the pole and he grinds it down to powder. The things that God makes are never to be objects that we worship. In Jeremiah 3.16, listen to this. And it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied and increased in the land. In those days, the Lord, they shall say no more, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it come to mind, neither shall it be remembered, neither shall it be visited, neither shall it be found anymore. God took the ark. He took the ark. You're not going to find the ark in Egypt. You're not going to find the ark in Ethiopia, in Africa. And there's all these movies and all these different things that are based on people protecting the ark. No, that's blasphemy. No, that's a lie. No, there are never knights guarding the ark. No, no, and no. Because if that were to be true, this would be false. The question is this, what do you believe? Do you believe folklore, legend? Well, I heard it from my grandpa's grandpa and he believes it. What does that mean? that someone told a story long ago and told it to a guy who 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 told it to a guy to a generation to another generation to another generation but the premise was a lie but men according to the word of god will believe the lie and then because they believe the lie and act upon the lie god says not only will i allow them to do that i will send them a greater delusion because they're focusing on the creation versus the creator. It's a huge deal to God. God says, I took the ark. Matt, you got proof all over the Bible. I got a whole book full of proof. Are you kidding me? Moses dies. God kills him. Why? Because he didn't do what God said. God said, go speak to the rock and it will give water for my people. What does Moses do? He's mad at the people, he gets into his emotions, and he screams at the rock, and he screams at the people, and he strikes the rock twice. The rock, okay, represents Christ, 
represents in the indwelling fullness of the Spirit. It represents living waters. It's a picture for the New Testament. The first time he was to strike the rock, what did that represent? It represented Jesus on the cross being struck down. But once Jesus died and arose, you can't strike him down again. But in his emotions, Moses strikes the rock and God says this, you will not enter the promised land. So God gives him a few days to get his life in order. God takes him up to the mountain and kills him. Then God hides his body. Satan and Michael are arguing over this. The archangels, okay? God hid his body. Why? Because they would have worshipped him. His dead corpse they would have worshipped. Do you understand? They would have been worshipping his dead corpse. Now, back to the guy's question. If he actually found the ark, which he would never find the ark, and there's millions of replicas of the ark, which just shows the person who made that ark doesn't know God, that you would rather make an ark, a box, with, with angels on it, versus worship him and talk to him and bask in his presence. Don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on that because there's millions of people and I know thousands of people who have knowledge of God who will die in their sins and their trespasses, okay? And they're gonna go to hell. It, it breaks my heart because I don't want them to go to hell. But here's the thing, it's how it is. You have to live your life and I'm gonna live my life and you have every right to choose the life that you live. I can't force anything on you, nor will I. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and let the chips fall where they may. You're an independent agent. Or you can be linked to God. And here's the thing. He will direct your steps. But it's your life. But the original question was this. If I just happen to find the ark, Matt, okay? Okay, so the Bible's wrong and you found the ark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you want that to happen? Would you want, you want this? this to be wrong so you could justify yourself? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just asking. Okay. Okay. And that's, how, that's, that's what we do when we're in sin. We make stupid decisions, but go ahead. So you found the ark. You want to know, this individual wanted to know if they had the ark before them, could they lose? Absolutely. They could lose because God's presence isn't with the ark anymore. It's a box. It's just a box. There's no, there's no power to the ark. The power is when God's decided, he decided to put his presence there. Okay. He, 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 he dwelt among the ark that was in what was called the holiest of holies. Okay, he was hanging out there. Now where does he hang out? I don't know. Well, if you're a Christian, he hangs out inside you. That's where he hangs out. That's why God says, be holy for I am holy. But there's a story where the Philistines got the ark of the covenant. And there was a curse that was placed on them. And death came upon them. Because they took, now listen very carefully to this, because this has happened to me. They took that which did not belong to them. When you're taking things that do not belong to you, okay, you have placed yourself under a curse. I'm not going to even go into that story. But there's some people, some individuals, who think they're gaining by obtaining, only to realize in the end that they lose not only the stuff, but their souls and their blessings and a curse has fallen upon them. So in the story, the ark was taken by the Philistines because the Israelites were being disobedient and doing what they wanted to do. Sound familiar, America? Oh, okay. Eli the priest 
hears of it, he falls back, he cracks his head, he dies. His two sons, they die. One of the son's wives has a child. She names the child Ichabog. The Lord has departed, she dies. There's a lot of death involved when we don't obey God. Well, Matt, I don't believe that. God said it in Genesis, the wages of sin is death. Let's go to the Holy Grail. Well, Matt, look, look, I understand, okay? From what, from what I understand, you know, and you know, I'm hearing in the movies is, if you drink of that cup, you live forever. Where's that in this book? Matt, legend has it that, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, they had, you know, that cup, Matt, you, you, Matt, you probably don't understand, that cup was there at the Last Supper, and everyone was sipping out of the cup, including Judas, right? You think he has, you think Judas, he drank out of that cup, you think he has eternal life? Jesus called him the devil. Jesus said he was the son of perdition. He was the 13th. And so when he left, there was 12. 12 represents God's power and God's authority. You understand? When Jesus ascended, they added one more to the 11, okay, to make 12. You got to understand why the numbers are the way they are, okay? It was foretold that this was going to take place. But he was the son of perdition. He's the son of Satan, Okay, he's not in heaven. He doesn't have everlasting life. He's on the lowest level. You can't go any lower than where Judas is. Why? For what? Why did he do this? For money. He was greedy from the beginning. It wasn't just he flipped. He went, And a lot of people, they think, well, no, no, no. He was trying to help to push, push the kingdom of God forward. He was trying to nudge Jesus out of the nest. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's things that men have made up to justify and try to smooth it over about Judas. No, no, and no. It says in the beginning, he was a thief, okay? He had a problem with stealing. He had a problem with women. He had a problem with lust. He was a thief from the beginning. He's the son of perdition. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Oh, no, from the beginning, he was rotten to the core. There was no good in him. And even being in the presence of God for three and a half years, it wasn't enough to change him. There are men that have knowledge of God who are a part of different things in this life who will close their eyes in death and open their eyes in hell only to be pulled out of hell to be sentenced formally. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. And you will say, well, Lord, Lord, did I not do this thing? this, this, and this. And he says, depart from me. You what? You worker of iniquity. That's what Jesus says. But back to the Holy Grail. Did all the disciples drink out of it? Yes. Did Jesus drink out of it? Yes. Okay. Legend has it that they were catching the blood of Jesus in that grail. Is that true? Well, legend has it. I mean, that's not true. That's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. How, how do we know that? because of the law of God. What nationality is Jesus? Well, he's Jewish. Did he have to fulfill the whole letter of the law? Yeah, yeah. What about his parents? What about all of his disciples? Yes, yes, yes. Do you understand that when a woman was on her period, they sent her outside of the camp because of the blood? Did you understand that? Did you understand when you were eating meat that all the blood had to be what? It had to be, uh, it had to be cooked out of it. There could be no blood in the meat. Well, yeah, those are the, the Leviticus. You're talking about the Levitical laws? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Did you understand when Jesus died, 
It was the Passover and the priests were not allowed to touch anything that was dead or bloodied or anything like that. The customs, okay, and the law of God forbid anyone to be touching the blood of a dying man. You're not taking a chalice and catching the blood of Jesus in it. Those Roman soldiers aren't going to let you anywhere near Jesus. This is a crucifixion. It, he was so bloodied and so naked and so swollen. He was horrible looking. You're not going up underneath him trying to catch his blood with his genitalia hanging out there. You were standing back and God himself did what? He made it black as night. He had enough of their foolish nonsense. And what else? There was an earthquake. What else? There was a storm. What else? The Spirit of God was angry and everyone knew there's something wrong here. This just doesn't feel right. They're not taking a cup and catching the blood of Christ in it because it was against the law of God. God forbid it. He wouldn't allow it. And guys, can I just tell you this? It's just a cup. It's gone. It's not to be protected. They understood this premise. This is just a cup. You know what it is? You're going to a picnic. All right, you're going to a picnic, and they're giving everyone a cup, a big foam cup, because they don't want people throwing the cups away, and they write your name on it. What's your name? Oh, okay. And they write your name on it. Oh, like Starbucks? Nothing like Starbucks. This was just a cup. There was nothing special to it. There was no power to it. Nowhere in Scripture are you going to find that if you drink from the chalice, you live forever. No, God wouldn't have it because of what? his law and the stories that are written in here. He doesn't want you focusing on a cup. He doesn't want you focusing on knights. He doesn't want you focusing on an ark. He wants you focusing on him because without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to die in your sins and your trespasses. And many believe all these folklore and all these legends and all these different things that try to tie into the Bible. But is God incompetent? Is God stupid? If it was an important story do you not think God would have written it in here I mean honestly he's God and there is none other he's the only potentate don't yell at me now you're right I, I get so passionate about this sorry was it it was not yelling at you it's yelling with you because you ought to be screaming from the housetops Christ is coming back he arose for a reason and friends, just as we celebrate the first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ is coming along soon. And so many people, because they live in the world and of the world, they are not ready. They're like Uzziah, cutting corners. I think this is going to be presentable to God. Not knowing the word of God, the laws of God, not knowing God at all, nor his son, nor his spirit. They couldn't hear God if he was screaming from a megaphone, which he is daily because of their choices and their sin and their life to exclude God. Why do we always want something extra? Why won't we just take what God gave, his best? Why not just accept this day, Jesus Christ, into your heart and give him all of your heart and, and stop regarding that which is not of God? How many men do I know? who have divided loyalties, who have chosen the way of Baal and Balak,
who have chosen the way of the world and they think that their life is good enough. They do cry out to Christ. They pray like you pray. They read their Bible like you read your Bible. They even go to church. They even tithe. Man, aren't they saved? God says this, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. What, what exactly does that mean, man? Denying the power thereof is meaning they've figured a way in which they think it's going to work out in the end. The Bible says some people believe they have a covenant with death, that death won't touch them, that it's a universal salvation. Um, he says, I void that contract. You will die and you will go to hell. Whenever we're adding different doctrines to our life and different belief systems to our life, legend, folklore, you know, my grandpa was a part of this over here and you know what I'm saying? You have to realize what's taking place, okay? It's a tactic of Satan. You see what I'm saying? This is a tactic of Satan to lure you away and get you emotionally charged. See, he, he wants to get you emotionally charged, okay? So you will defend that which is not of God. That's what he does, okay? And so he ties things in like love your brother. Are we supposed to love our brothers? Yeah. Am I supposed to treat others the way I want to be treated? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so that's an absolute truth of scripture. Okay. So he ties into that. Well, how does he? I don't need to go into it. He can tie into that in different ways and different cults have done that, different belief systems. And they do. They tie into these things. They tie into these ridiculous fairy tales. Friends, once upon a time, what if I started my devotions like that once upon a time? You know what I'm about to tell you is just a bunch of bull, right? Guys, when you look at some of the things that people believe, it's it's amazing. And even though it's proven in scripture to be wrong by the word of God, they still will hold to the belief system. Well, I don't believe that. So, But you believe the people that are telling that and holding to that. See, they never want to take it. Look at these people. They never want to kick their feet into the ground and dig in and say, this is absolutely truth. They say, well, you know, we believe. I mean, it, legend has it. This is, I mean, this is going on. We can't do that. This is the only thing I know to be true. Scrape everything that you believe into the garbage can. Flush it in the toilet. Take a piss. Okay. Start over. Learn from step one, Genesis. Go back to Genesis. I want you to forget everything that anyone has ever taught you about God. And I want you to pray a prayer. Lord, I need you to teach me who you are, what you are, who am I, what am I. Start over. Start in Genesis. Look at, I'm going that. Let's go. Let's go in the beginning. In the beginning, God. Where are we starting from? Before anything, God. Before angels, before planets, before anything, God. In the beginning, who? God. He's the author. He's the finisher. Okay? He's the alpha. He's the omega. What do we understand? I mean, that's we're only four or five words into the book. Okay? It's all about God. It's all about God's glory. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with fallen angels. It's all about God. In the beginning, God. Not his beginning. 
This is your beginning. God doesn't have a beginning. Okay, so you got to understand that as well. God has always existed. So when God is asking you to do something, when God is giving you his word, he is not incompetent. I mean, you and I are slow learners. But if I had to take ninth grade English 50 million years in a row, I'm going to get it down. Okay, God doesn't learn. He doesn't need to learn. Okay, there's never a time in time that he didn't know everything. He knows it all. So in the beginning, that's your beginning. God created. Why? For you. Not for him. For you. What did he create? The heavens and the earth. For who? For you. What a gift. Because you need a planet to walk upon. You need to be created. What did he say to Jeremiah? Listen to this. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thy comest out forth the womb, I sanctify thee and ordain thee to be a prophet to the nations. I knew you. In the Bible, in Holy Writ, it says, I knew you before the foundations of the earth. Who, who did he say that regarding? Before the earth and the planets and the stars and all this, I knew who you were going to be and become and the choices, and God isn't down on you today. God is for you today. God knows every sin that you are going to commit, but you have to commit all of your life to him and stop fooling around with things that are not of God and stop trying to help him out. God doesn't need help. Friends, well, how do we know that? Did he contact you to make the planets and the universe? It says, in the beginning, God. What did he do by himself in that triunity of himself? He made everything. He spoke that which did not exist and it started to exist. Do you need a breakthrough in your life? You'll never get it outside of Christ. You'll never get it without selling out to him. What have you been trying to do all of your life and have you done it? Have you succeeded? You have the hope. See that faith and that hope that you have that you're putting towards other things, that was supposed to be towards him solely. When you need something, I go to my Heavenly Father and I ask Him because He makes it happen. I can. And yet we will continue pussyfooting around in this life trying to accomplish something. What can you really accomplish? Useless, useless. Vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity. God says, enjoy me. Enjoy this life. Work hard, okay? And do the right thing. Boom! This is the man cave.